Meet Reed Lance Rosenthal, rancher, number one best-selling award-winning author, and unabashedly, unapologetically, on the right side of the outstanding issues of our generation. But don't try to fence him in. Sometimes his positions will surprise you, because Reed is definitely his own man, with his own opinions. You might love him, you might hate him, but you won't be able to stop listening. Step over to the right side with Reed. Howdy, listeners from coast to coast, the Gulf to Canada, and around the globe. This is Reed Lance Rosenthal on the Right Side Radio. Got a different kind of show for you today. First, we're going to, of course, have our founder's quote and then our ranch story, which I think you'll find rather intriguing. And then I'm going to give you a little kind of summary of the last two shows, kind of where it's all going. I gave you the history of the banking system and the history of the Federal Reserve over the last two weeks. If you haven't listened, you should on the rightsideradio.com. And I did those histories for a reason, along with the history of money a few months ago. Listen to that one, too. What I'm going to do for you over the next two weeks, starting this week, including a whole bunch of rat-a-tat-tat, which supports my conclusions, is I'm going to show you how they are drawing the noose tighter, how they are restricting the net that they want to put us all in, through speech, through the ability to defend ourselves, the Second Amendment, through think-and-speak crime, you know, the racism and the anti-trans and the misogyny and the whole gamut, and on the restriction of free speech, and on economic strangulation, and on the attack on your finances through their attack, quite dastardly and pre-planned, on the economy and the banking system. And I think when I get done over the next two weeks, you'll have a very clear picture of where all this goes. You know, I bring you these rat-a-tat-tat stories, and today you're going to have a huge rat-a-tat-tat. We're going to catch up because all these stories go to the thrust of this week and next week's show. I'm not going to have a history section for you this week, which is rare for this show. Next week, I'll have the history of financial and monetary controls and the history of censorship, communication, and thought controls. And then you'll really kind of see where all this is coming down from and why. So let's get started. How about a apropos founder's quote for where we're headed in this show? This is our buddy John Adams. He's been popular with us the last few weeks. Quote, that the said Constitution shall never be construed to authorize Congress to infringe the just liberty of the press or the rights of the conscience. Unquote. So it's struggling to be spring out here as we kind of move to our rant story. I mean, it's uh, it's really struggling. Winter is stubbornly clinging. It's a long time going this year. Spring is trying to make an entrance with a little bit of day here and a little bit of day there. The high country is still packed with feet and feet of snow. I'm not even sure we'll get to the upper ranches till May this year. Maybe June. Who knows? And of course, all that snowpack is a blessing because it gives you irrigation water, assuming it doesn't all come at once in the form of a flood. But much has to be done on a ranch to get ready for spring. Folks have no idea. In usual years, we would have been out the last two weeks already preparing. Water usually turns on May 1, and you don't want to miss a day of water because it's a day of water you'll never see again. There's an old saying in ranching, once it's by you, it's gone. And that pertains to water. But to get ready to put water on the fields, whether it's a mechanical application on part of the ranch or whether it's flood irrigation or some other type of delivery system, a whole boatload of work has to be done in a relatively short period of time. And this year, it's really condensed because 
according to the weather folks, it's supposed to stay kind of snowy and kind of cold most of the time until April 15th. In other words, it's cut our six-week get ready, get prepared window down to two, along with whatever days we might sneak in here and there. Number one, we have to brush all the fields. We run this ranch holistically. We don't use any compounds, chemical compounds, no fertilizers. Everything is with manure from cows and horses over winter pasture. All that has to be brushed out with a harrow and then with a fine mesh to ground the manure into kind of almost powder that's spread out pretty evenly over all the different fields. Over the course of each summer, grass grows along the ditch banks and in the ditches. Obviously, there's water. And in this dry and arid climate, plants seem to like that. But lots of plant growth in a ditch severely restricts the amount of water and the velocity of water in terms of where and how you can deliver it to various fields. And time is a factor because whatever water you don't get to use, go back to what I just said, that's a day gone you'll never get back. And of course, there's the growing season out here. It's 89 days. That's it. You got 89 days to get water on your fields get everything growing, get it harvested, and then get regrowth going so there's fall pasture for the critters so you can repeat the cycle. And after you burn the ditches, there's a bunch of areas where you had feeding or something happened in the course of the last season, and there's a bare spot here and there out in the fields. That all has to be hand-seeded and hand-raked. And of course, you have to take whatever steps necessary to have all your head gates in repair, all the plates you use for the sets, which is where the water comes out of ditches on the field. I mean, there's a boatload to do. And this year, I've been scratching my head on exactly how we're going to get all this done in the greatly constricted time period that we're going to have. And do I have a moral for this story today? I really don't, other than obviously you look ahead, you take all the facts at your disposal, and you adopt, you improvise, and hopefully you overcome. I'll probably have a moral for you next week when I figure out exactly how we're going to accomplish basically the impossible in an impossible time frame in this weird and wintry year that we have had. I will tell you, however, that it's kind of in a weird way a microcosmic example of what the country and the planet are facing. There's a quickening, right? All sorts of things happening. All sorts of distractions purposely put out there to divert your attention from what's really important. And my job is to take that chafe away from the wheat and show you the stock, what's important. Because like the ranch and the condensed time period we have to absolutely positively get done what absolutely positively must be done, all of us out there, the freedom lovers in the world and in this country, our time is growing shorter and shorter to take the steps necessary to prepare ourselves and to try and save this country and to try and protect freedom. It is not an accident that they are throwing things at the wall with increasing rapidity and increasing complexity, all under guises which are totally false, all part of a preconceived plan. It's a foot race. It's a foot race for us here on the ranch to get ready for water and the growing season, and it's a foot race for humanity to wake up and take the steps that must be taken to shut down what the powers that be have in store for us. Next week, we're going to talk about these matters in detail. But if you've listened to the history of money, the history of the Federal Reserve, the history of banking on this show, and if you haven't, you should, you'll know that there's all sorts of these new rules and regulations and obscure semi-laws, quasi-laws that are being thrown out by this agency and that agency. 
You've seen in the past three weeks a complete disregard of the rule of law in terms of how they have handled taking over banks and how they have handled paying out deposits. And there's a reason for this. While there's many rules we could focus on, and once again, I'm going to go over these in detail, petrifying detail for you next week, I want to draw your attention to Federal Reserve OP1670. I've mentioned it in previous shows. Basically what this, you know, uh, kind of segued regulation does, very recent, by the way, it basically gives the Fed, through control of their money supply to banks, complete control over your over your amassing and your use of money, your access to money, your ability to spend money as you wish. We have all heard of the CBDC, right? The digital currency, the Fed coin they're trying to roll out, not only here in the United States, but around the world. Next week, we're going to talk about the executive order that Biden signed several months ago, setting all that up in conjunction with OP1670. And we're going to talk about, and I'm going to remind you of, the really diabolical law that Obama snuck into the myriad of legislation that put us in debt another $5 trillion back there in 2008, which literally allows banks, without notice to you, to convert all the cash you have in your accounts to A stock in that bank. That's capital A stock in that bank, which of course does what? Oh yeah, that's right. It capitalizes a failing bank. So the FDIC doesn't have to use its funds. They've used your funds. And your funds are no longer funds. They are illiquid stock. Congratulations, bank owner. And there's one more prong, major prong, of this tightening of the noose right? The economic noose, the financial noose, the banking noose, the dollar noose, the money noose that has been so cleverly designed and which is being carried out against our best interests and against the country's best interest. All the states got this 200-page bill that the Treasury, the feds, wanted them to pass. It was a change in the UCC code, the Uniform Commercial Code. And Unfortunately, some states just passed it without even reading it. Fortunately, other states refused. And fortunately, we hope in the future, other states didn't get to it. But if you read that really carefully, that UCC, what it really does, kind of buried in all the nonsense, like all the bills that come out of the Washington, D.C. swamp, it changed the definition of money. And what this does is pave the way for the digital currency. I mean, this is all part of a plan. And to go one step further... Everybody has talked about, and I've talked about, the fact that at Signature Bank and Silicon Valley Bank, where 90-plus percent of the depositors had more than 250000 in the banks, some of the millions and millions and millions more, and despite the regulation on the FDIC, which limits coverage to 250000 all these fat cats got bailed out. Well, they got bailed out, of course, and we've talked about this because they're ESG folks, and they're huge Democratic donors, and they're liberals, and, you know, they're buddies of the government, that crony capitalism. But there's another reason they got bailed out. Think about what's happened since then, since I think it was March 10th. Now you're hearing the mainstream media and big tech, you know, the shills for the government, right? They're talking about, oh, you know, only the big banks will get bailed out. I mean, look at Janet Yellen's testimony in the Senate last week, which we talked about on the show. She was asked by the Republican senator from Oklahoma, well, if you're going to bail out all the depositors who have more than $250,000 at Signature in Silicon Valley, then you're going to do the same thing for the Oklahoma banks, right? And she said, well, no, not really, you know, and she gave some mealy-mouthed answer. She had to approve it, and this board had to approve it, and the Federal Reserve had to approve it by a supermajority, and the president, the answer was no. 
we're not going to. And then the mainstream media starts running these stories, right? And they're not in your face. They're subtle. You know, they've gotten subtle with their psyops. And they talk about how, well, you know, only the big banks, the big metropolitan banks, the banks too big to fail, the CFI banks, they're the only ones who are important systemically. And they're the only ones who could have a chance of getting depositors with more than 250000 in the bank bailed out. Those little banks out there, you know, the little banks in all the communities around the United States that do the farm loans and the local loans and the local business loans that basically make America run. Yeah, we're not going to bail them out. You know, if you got more than 250000 one of them, well, oh well. What they're trying to do is get people to take money out of little banks. And by the way, $100 billion went out of little banks in the last week to week and a half. That's a lot of money. And they're trying to get them to put it with the big banks. Why are they trying to do this? Everything I tell you, you need to think one step more. Everything you hear out there, everything you read out there, you need to think one step further. Why is this happening? Not what is happening, not who did it. That's distraction. Why is this happening? The reason is they're trying to consolidate the banking industry. In the end, the fewer, bigger banks they have, the more of their friends they have, and the less of their enemies. The little banks out in the hinterlands, you know, financing cow farts. And number two, it's much easier to implement a digital currency if you're dealing with far fewer, far larger banks who are really kind of hand-in-hand or maybe even arms of the government. And they're not just tightening the noose in this regard. They don't want people discussing what I'm discussing with you right now. They want this to be kind of a a nudge factor. Suddenly, everybody's in the noose, and the noose is tight around their throat, and there's nothing they can do. They don't want people talking about the noose. Let's talk about your family's safety. If you listen to this show, you know our aging power grid is more vulnerable than ever. There's been 70 physical attacks on grid stations and countless cyber attacks in the last year. Imagine a blackout lasting days, weeks, months. Look around your house. Water, refrigeration, heat, light would be poof. That's why having your own portable solar power and not relying on a government grid is critical. With a Patriot Power Sidekick from 4Patriots, you get a solar generator that's quick, easy, portable, on the go, or even inside. And though only the size of a lunchbox, it's powerful. It'll power your phones, your medical devices, even a mini fridge. A free solar panel, free shipping, and a practically unheard of 365-day satisfaction guarantee. You can get 10% off your purchase using the code RIGHTSIDE at checkout. 4Patriots.com. Use the code RIGHTSIDE. Get 10% off. 4Patriots.com. Protect you. Protect your family. And coupled with this attack, and I've only covered the tip of the iceberg. Next week, we'll get into the everything below the surface. They have launched a frontal assault while calling it something else and distracting your attention. On free speech, your right to associate with people of like mind, and your right to communicate with those people. You saw the attempt at the assembly of the disinformation board at the federal level. And trust me, folks, that disinformation board is alive, well, and functioning. They just pretended they didn't go through with it. You're aware of the Twitter files, the bald unmasking. And the proving of the lies they have told us in the past that this was no way this was happening. Where the government was telling social media who to take down, what to block, and what could be posted and what could not. 
whether or not it was the truth, had nothing to do with the political agenda, which was the end game. And there's many of you who are familiar with the Patriot Act way back when in 2001, which was really the beginning of this surveillance police state that we are now facing ever more so every day. And now they're trying to put the nail in the communications control coffin. And that's with this TikTok bill, which is in the Senate. If you think this has to do with banning TikTok, you know, I got some desert I'll sell you in the middle of the Pacific, or I got some oceanfront property I'll sell you in northern Arizona. What this really is, is members of the Uniparty, rhino Republicans and Democrats, or Democratic Marxists, more apt, coming together in an attempt under the guise of banning China and TikTok to give the federal government unprecedented power to punish American citizens and regulate how we communicate with each other. And TikTok should be banned. That's besides the point. But as usual, this bill isn't a simple 10 or 20 page piece of legislation. TikTok from Red China is hereby banned. Oh no. No, it goes way beyond that because the bill's not designed to do that. I'm going to let you listen to Tucker Carlson here for just a few minutes because he sums it up very succinctly and he has a research staff that I don't. So it goes without saying that net net, as they say, TikTok is not a positive influence on American society. And right now, in response to criticism of TikTok, China's government and the company itself are doing the same thing they did when they responded to allegations of a lab leak in Wuhan. They're saying anyone who raises questions is a racist. <laughs> and they're doing that everywhere across the media. And they can because a lot of the news that you consume is paid for by TikTok. Politico, a completely, <laughs> completely ideologically corrupt organization on Northern Virginia, has a so-called playbook that is sponsored by TikTok every other week. CNN, meanwhile, just put its tech reporter on the air to inform you that criticizing TikTok opens up Chinese Americans to, quote, hate and violence. If you criticize TikTok, you're killing Asian people. So confronted with all this, you might support efforts in the Congress right now to ban TikTok altogether. And a lot of people do, not just on the right, but also on the left, which is kind of interesting. This is one of those weird moments where there's or appears to be some kind of bipartisan consensus. And that alone might want to make you pause for a second. If everyone in power is saying the same thing, is it really a good idea? Let's take a closer look. And again, this is not a defense of TikTok, merely an acknowledgement of what's actually happening in Washington right now. So one of the bills that would ban TikTok is being pushed, as we said, by senators in both parties. It's called the Restrict Act. Mark Warner of Virginia and John Thune of South Dakota, Democrat and Republican, introduced this legislation. Now, the bill is ostensibly about protecting American national security and ending, quote, foreign adversaries from interfering in our elections through apps like TikTok. Because, of course, election interference by Twitter and Facebook is no problem at all. But election interference from TikTok is totally unacceptable. Okay. But in reality, and you should know this if you're opposed to TikTok, as we are, this bill isn't really about banning TikTok. It's never about what they say it is. Instead, this bill would give enormous and terrifying new powers to the federal government to punish American citizens and regulate how they communicate with one another. For example... The bill would regulate, quote, certain transactions between persons in the United States and foreign adversaries. Now, what's a foreign adversary and who gets to decide? Oh, well, the Secretary of Commerce and the Department and the DNI, not the Congress, get to decide what foreign adversaries are. Well, that ought to trip a switch in your brain. And then the 
Transactions with foreign adversaries would include, quote, any acquisition, importation, transfer, installation, dealing in, or use of any information and communications technology product or service, including ongoing activities such as mandated services, data transmission, software updates, repairs, or the provision of data hosting services. Well, that's pretty broad. Under this bill, if you engage in any of that with a so-called foreign adversary, as determined by, in this case, the Biden administration, that would allow the Secretary of Commerce, Gina Raimondo, and the Director of National Intelligence, Avril Haines, to decide whether you're acting in the, quote, interest of a foreign adversary. Again, that's another term that the executive branch, the Secretary of Commerce, gets to define without the interference of Congress. So if the Biden administration decides that you're doing this, then the Secretary of Commerce can then enforce, quote, any mitigation measure to address any risk arising from any covered transaction with any person or with respect to any property subject to the jurisdiction of the United States. <laughs> These covered transactions can involve, quote, current, past, or potential future transactions. And the mitigation measures include, but are not limited to, throwing American citizens in prison for 20 years. Think about that for a minute. So you would be allowing the executive branch, the Biden administration, to regulate speech on the Internet. And if you are somehow involved with a, quote, foreign adversary, or let's say you were oppose the war against Russia, you go to prison for 20 years. So this isn't about banning TikTok. This is about introducing flat out totalitarianism into our system. Now, just because TikTok is so unappealing, just because it's a creepy low IQ Chinese plot designed to make our kids trans, and it is, it, that does not mean that the people trying to ban TikTok have your interests in mind. Oh, it definitely doesn't, or America's. Keep in mind, these are exactly the same people who drained our strategic petroleum reserve and, in fact, promote China at every turn. Now they're telling you they're against China. They're not. This is not an effort to push back against China. It's part of a strategy to make America much more like China with the government in charge of what you read and see and with terrifying punitive powers at their fingertips. Now, we've seen this before from the national security state again and again. Confronted with a foreign adversary, for example, after 9-11, the federal government uses the opportunity to expand their police powers over the American population. And they do it under false pretexts, and they do it quickly by whipping people into a panic. Usually that's rooted in some truth. TikTok is bad, sure. Al-Qaeda was terrible, of course. But these measures are not aimed at stopping the foreign threat. They're aimed at controlling the American population, and they rush it through. And they do it so quickly that no one ever explains how exactly does this preserve American national security. Okay, so what do we all need to do about all this banking, finance, <laughs> communication restrictions, news tightening? It's easy, folks. Number one, contact your state legislatures. You need to have laws in place in your states that dampen down, should we say, Fed involvement. They're Fed shenanigans, and they need to get on it. You might even have them call special session this year if they're already kind of off to wherever else they go after the state legislative sessions of 23. This is important stuff. In fact, this is critical stuff. Number two, contact your congressmen, contact your senators, even if they're blue. Raise holy hell. This Restrict Act needs not to be passed. They don't need a 200-page act. They need two pages. TikTok is banned. Any other social media, however they wanted to find a platform that has any association whatsoever with China, the Chinese CCP, or the Chinese government is banned unless Congress approves otherwise. I mean, I think even those guys up in Washington, D.C. can fit that in two pages. This is not hard. Now let's get into a 
pile of rat-a-tat-tat that I think in many ways kind of underscores what we've been talking about thus far in this show. Out there in California, you know, 600 billion, it was, I think, 400 and some odd billion, then 500 billion, then 600 billion, and that doesn't count San Francisco. Now, the reparations board out there thinks, you know, that's just not enough. We need to go to $800 billion for all the black folks in California because of California's non-slavery state past sins because they've added damages for neighborhoods that were subject to aggressive policing and prosecution during the war on drugs. By the way, the brainchild behind all this is a gal by the name of Lisa Holder, a member of the California Reparations Task Force. And where do you think they're going to get that money? Hmm, can you spell digital currency, you know, for every dollar you have in the bank at the time of conversion, you get 60 cents, and for every dollar that a black folk has in the bank, they get a dollar forty. Think about it. In terms of communications, did you know, so Matt Talib, he testified before Congress, did a super job. He's a Democrat, but he is the one who wrote the Twitter files. He's the one who got the information from Elon Musk and blew the door wide off their PSYOPs operations. The fact that they paid Twitter $3.6 million, told Twitter what to put in and put out and take down, and by they, I mean the CIA, the HHS, the NHS, <laughs> Department of Homeland Security, the FBI, you name it. Well, it just so happens, this just came out. On March 9th, the day he testified, guess who showed up at his door? Unannounced IRS agents. It seems that they're rejecting his 2018 and 2021 tax returns. On the day he's testifying in Congress. Huh. Let's think about this for a moment. Remember our John Adams quote from several shows ago, the Founders quote? Government relies on fear to govern. And not to be outdone, because, you know, they're very upset over Twitter becoming woke on the conservative, or should I say the free speech side. All of a sudden, over the last three weeks, four weeks, the FTC has demanded that Elon Musk turn over all internal company communications, mass layoff information, and they want him to sit down for a deposition. They've sent over a dozen demand letters to Twitter over a course of three months since he acquired Twitter. 350 specific demands. Information relating to journalists' work, which is protected by the First Amendment. Every single internal communication relating to Elon Musk by any Twitter personnel. All of the reasons Twitter terminated former Twitter employee and FBI official James Baker, who should be in jail. And I can go on, but you get the idea. Uh, yeah, some more free speech stuff. Washington's attorney general, you know, the state of Washington, he's pushing for a bill. You know, it's kind of like that uh, disinformation board. Hmm. And it would empower the state to label conservatives as domestic extremists. The attorney general's name up there, by the way, is Bob Ferguson. Oh, what a winner. This is Washington's version of the Ministry of Truth. And he says that this will, quote, offer solutions to combat disinformation and misinformation, address early signs of radicalization, you know, like I love the Constitution, and develop a public health-style response, unquote. Oh, well, that worked out well up there, didn't it? And then, you know, to get all this in place, you notice this increasing drumbeat of gun control? If you think that this government cares at all, about your safety, then you're just a fool. This is about caring about their safety. Because, you know, when they pull all this banking, finance, economic, food, digital currency, etc., etc., stuff that they're angling for, when they shut down your free speech, when the thought police and whatever agents of whatever agency 
they decide, try and confiscate your weapons. The last thing they want is 100 million Americans with guns who are, you know, kind of pissed off. Why don't we look at the Declaration of Independence, shall we? They have. Remember, it is not just your right to resist tyrannical government. It is, according to Thomas Jefferson, your duty, and they know it. And, of course, we have all these so convenient mass shootings all of a sudden. It seems that a number of the ones in the last, oh, six months or so are by trans folks or by folks. Colorado Springs, this latest tragedy in Nashville. And, of course, that's being whipped up through various aspects of psyops and mind control. And if you don't think so, think about the day of rage, the day of vengeance that the trans folks have planned. In fact, like right now, as you may be listening to this show this weekend, in doing a little research, it seems that, according to the left-wing fact-checkers, there's 1.6 million trans people in the United States. Now, I kind of doubt that number, but you know, even if there are, we'll give PSYOPs its due. Last time I checked, that's about, oh, roughly 1 290th somewhere in there of the population. But we're supposed to turn the country upside down because these folks who obviously, shall we say, will just say, think differently, I'll be kind, and aren't quite sure if they're a man or a woman or somewhere in between or something else, should be telling everybody else how to think and how to run the country? Eh, well, I don't know. Sorry, this cowboy doesn't go for that. And there's a left-winger, big mouthpiece by the name of Rance. He's now calling for gun confiscation. Oh, really? Well, good luck with that. But nonetheless, folks, the rhinos up there in the Senate particularly, they are giving the government toeholds in their scratching to tear down the Second Amendment. Hold your congressmen, hold your senators, hold your state legislatures' feet to the fire. There's another thing that the state legislatures can do. They can put into place SAPA laws, Second Amendment protection laws. It's a little bit different in each state, and the federal government will cry foul. Oh, well, too bad. Get on them. And along these lines, about two weeks ago, the ATF, Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives, they released an expansive report on guns use in crimes over the last two decades. And ATF Director Dettelbach, I told you about him, absolutely rabid anti-gunner. He wrote that the findings offer, quote, unquote, strategic intelligence for policymakers, law enforcement, and researchers to reduce gun violence. That's PSYOPs speak for they're putting together a registry, folks. If you use credit cards to purchase anything related to firearms, you need to have your head examined. By the way, also along these lines, Colorado, which has gone off the left deep end, yeah, I mean, it's, might as well be California, unfortunately, used to be a great state. There was an editorial on a left-leaning news site down there called Colorado, Colorado Newsline, and it called on its readers to, quote, publicly confront gun owners because only when gun absolutists become social pariahs can the nation start to establish comprehensive reform, allowing community members to attend schools, shop at grocery stores, or visit nightclubs without fear of being torn to shreds in a blast of bullets, unquote. Are you getting a feel for how the left thinks, how their little minds work? You can't speak. You can't transact commerce. You can't do what you want with your own money. And you certainly can't be armed to protect the former three and all the other rights enumerated in that pesky little document called the Bill of Rights. By the way, this uh, moron down at the Colorado Newsline, his name is Young, he took it a step further. Quote, 
We should humiliate without restraint those costume-wearing soldier wannabes who show up with their shooters at rallies. And lawmakers should continue to enact measures to protect constituents from the daily massacres their communities suffer. We should be shaming gun proponents wherever they show themselves. Hmm. By the way, you know, Biden traveled to Monterey Park, California, where there was a mass public shooting that left 11 dead in January. Terrible event. Once again, oh, that's right, trans or bi. Hmm. I wonder if there's a correlation here of some way, shape, or form, some type of mental instability that runs its course through all these events and the perps. But to reiterate, and I've told you this before, California already has all the gun control laws that Biden has tried to put forward, but it has the highest per capita rate of mass public shootings in the United States. And that's because, folks, legislation doesn't fix people's minds, and people pull triggers. By the way, Colorado is about to pass a law, amongst a number of other horrible laws, their left-leaning supermajority legislature. I mean, what do you got folks thinking down there in Colorado? Wake up. And that is to allow people to sue gun manufacturers for gun crimes. Hmm. I've given you the analogy before. Let's sue Ford because of car accidents. And then, of course, none of this could be happening without rampant corruption, which weaves its way through unfortunately, every aspect of the federal government, from the president and his take from China, the big guy's take, all the way down to the little hams up there. And unfortunately, in some states, too. Can we say Katie Hobbs cartel in Arizona? But the transportation secretary, you know, Petey Weedy, well, he's in hot water. Seems there's a whistleblower that came out and reported that Petey Weedy is allocating resources based on the politics of a state. Hmm, you think so? Remember the story I brought you about how the jabs came out in three different lots of varying, should we say, lethal degrees and compositions? And how they found that the most lethal compositions happened to go to red states? And how Florida and Ohio had the highest causal medical problems and deaths, since that's where some of the largest batches of the bad batch went? You don't think that there's persecution by the federal government and the corrupt People who are running these agencies of red states, red towns, you know, like Palestine, Ohio. Well, if you don't, you must be living under a rock. And while this is all happening, there's yet another 70 train car derailment in North Dakota. Oh, another red state near Windermere in Richland County, a red county and a red town. The hazardous materials in this case is liquid asphalt. And over there on the Ohio River, also while all this is going on, poor Petey Weedy. A tug towing 11 barges had a problem, ran into a stationary structure right near what's called the Portland Canal. You folks in the Midwest know where I'm talking about. And it seems that several barges broke loose, and one got punctured and sunk. And it just so happened to be carrying 1,400 metric tons of methanol. And the CDC, oh yeah, we could trust them, but they say that methanol is, quote, a toxic alcohol that is used industrially as a solvent, pesticide, and alternative fuel source, and is highly flammable. I go on. The effects of methanol poisoning may not become apparent until 72 hours after ingestion, and symptoms can include blindness, vomiting, heart failure, and death. The Ohio River, folks, at that point, is a source of drinking water for more than 5 million people. Oh, most of them red folks. 
And listen, if you think their control is just limited to what you say and what you think and what you drive and what fuel you use and how much money you have in the bank and how you use it and whether or not you have money in the bank or whether you have digital currency, and I can go on and on, think again. You know about the gas stove thing, which they promise not to do, but, you know, we can we can rely on their word on anything, right? Well, now, President Cadaver and his crew up there are pushing for new energy-efficient standards for washing machines, you know, to save the planet. Supposedly, these new regulations will save water and energy. And, of course, they couch it as they will with the upcoming stuff I've been telling you about, about how wonderful it is and how much money it's going to save you. It could save Americans, they say, $3.5 billion per year with less water and less energy. Unfortunately, the industry is saying, uh, hold on. These things are going to be like two or three times more expensive to make and therefore to buy, and they're not going to be as efficient. So all that water you're saving on the first wash, well... You're going to be giving it away on the second and third wash that you're going to need to get your clothes clean. And also along those lines, while Petey Weedy allows a barge containing methanol to sit at the bottom of the Ohio River and takes his sweet time on cleaning up a ecological disaster at East Palestine, which has infected also the Ohio River, there's some more new regulations. Oh, they just love these regulations coming out of the Biden administration to force municipalities to install new filtration systems to make water cleaner in towns. The goal here, by the way, is uh, (laughs) reduce what's called PFAS, which, by the way, according to the head honcho putting all this together at the federal government, oh, they're out to help us, folks, comes from food wrappers and pizza boxes. Oh, I can see a pizza ban coming. I guess I don't have to tell you that this will bankrupt municipalities because this is expensive stuff to do. And... That would allow the federal government to come in and help them. Hey, we'll come out and help you, but this is what you got to do on your policies and your diversity and your equity and your inclusion stuff and what you're going to teach in your schools. You see how this game is being played? It's the same way they're going to play the CBDC in your bank account. Well, if you say this, no digital for you. And if you do this, oh, you can't buy food this week. You think I'm kidding. I'm, I'm unfortunately not kidding. And then I promised you last week I was going to tell you a little bit about how all this fits in rather malevolently with sinister intent into the elite's view of the world's population, which is that it is, to quote Bill Gates, approximately 7 billion too many. In other words, there should only be 1.2 billion people on the planet Earth so that Bill can enjoy uncrowded places at his myriad of beach, mountain, and other houses and retreats. So in 1968... Stanford biologist Paul Ehrlich published a book called The Population Bomb. You should read it if you get a chance. And it extrapolated global population growth data to predict catastrophe as humanity's demand for resources outstrips supply. Ehrlich became world famous. All the lefties just loved it. But the reality is, as I told you two weeks ago, we're in the middle of a population crash. This is induced by the jabs, oh, that were designed for that. Fertility, both male and female and a host of other factors, including government meddling in the reproductive process. Lots of scientific studies. Go to the COVID page on the rightsideradio.com. Read them. You think all these high mucky mucks that push abortion as a political tool, you don't think that there's an ulterior motive there? Remember, every baby that gets aborted is really looking down the line five or six generations, 20 or 30 humans, you know, grandma and daughters and the whole nine yards that aren't going to be on the planet Earth. 
But population growth right now is actually leveling off everywhere on Earth. That decline started back in the 1960s when Ehrlich wrote his book. And it takes decades for all the variables, whether women are having children, how many people are married and having kids, how many kids each woman is having, that affect this. But it takes generations to play out to see the picture. Over the past 50 years, as prosperity has increased, although that's about to take a turn for the worse, charts now clearly show that the more wealthy a nation, although this is a trend worldwide, the more rapid their population decline. Besides votes and election fraud, this might have something to do with all the people being let in across the southern border. Think about that. We'll talk more about that in future shows. Let's turn to the international, because it all ties in to control, finance, political, you name it. So over the weekend, Israel's biggest labor union, Chamber of Commerce, shopping mall, you name it. Ben-Gurion Airport closed. A million people, give or take, in the street. And you know, it really resembles those color revolutions that the CIA pulled off. We're going to go over that as part of the histories we're going over next week in the control of finance. But think about how convenient this is. We know Obama, who's really the president, loves Iran. We know he hates Israel. We know he interfered with Israel's elections prior. And here he is again. Once again, we're going to go over this in way more detail because everything they're telling you about why this is happening is BS. And I'm going to bring you up to speed on exactly what the dispute is in Israel, which is a ultra-left Supreme Court that's tamping down all sorts of conservative initiatives by Bibi Netanyahu and his government. You know, it's the same woke crap we're facing over here. It's infected everywhere. And of course, the last thing Obama wants is for Israel to attack Iran and forestall Iran's full development and deployment of a nuclear bomb. In fact, our great Joint Chiefs of Staff, woke China Levin Mark Milley, testified in Congress two days ago that uh, the United States policy was changing a little bit. We're no longer really against Iran getting the bomb. We're just worried about Iran fielding a bomb. You know what fielding a bomb means? That means using a bomb. We could do all sorts of rat-a-tat-tat about the trans nonsense, but you're talking about uh, 0.03% of the population. I mean, tail-wagging the dog, and it's not important. This is a distraction, folks, a purposeful distraction from what is important, which is your freedom, your finance, and your security. So we will handle that some other time when it's more important. Project Veritas and James O'Keefe, separately now, are rocking and rolling. It seems that there's all sorts of woke teachers and school administrators breaking laws all over the place. Uh, You know, (laughs) Project Veritas caught a guy in Connecticut admitting to breaking the law and gloating over it. An administrator. Oh, well, now he suddenly resigned so he can be hired by another woke school district and stay under the radar. That video is posted under Women, Family Safety, and under the audio bar. And James O'Keefe is at it. He caught Democrats admitting, you know, that election fraud. That doesn't happen. That's never happened. In these cleanest, fairest, absolutely impeccable elections in the United States of America and various states. That, too, is posted on the website. You know, I don't want to spoil it for you. It, they're terrific. That one under election fraud and under the audio bar and under treason. By the way, lest we not give him his due recognition, the guy's name in the scumbag's name in Connecticut is Boland, Principal Boland. And this whole thing about the woke not being taught, the 
perverted sex education not being taught, the CRT not being, just one more big lie given to you parents and you grandparents. I hope you are 100% engaged in your children's education or you won't recognize them. And of course, if they can train the younger generation that digital currency is good, great, social credit scores are great, America is bad, freedom is terrible, collective is good, individual is bad, and so on and so forth. Well, that all kind of ties into that tightening noose, doesn't it? Remember what Hitler said in 1934, I care not what you think, because I have your children. This is Reed Lance Rosenthal on the Right Side Radio. Look in the mirror. <laughs> you know, Be serious about this, folks. And say with conviction, I will muster, I will stand, I will not comply, I will never give in, I will never stop fighting, I will join with those in these United States and around the globe who love freedom as I do, and we will win. Keep the wind at your back, we'll talk to you next week. Please remember, if you've missed any shows, just click on Show Archive and you'll find all of his shows. We look forward to seeing you here again next week for another episode of Reed Lance Rosenthal on the right side.